Welcome, Harvest Church family, and thank you for joining us this week for our sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged with the message prepared. Right now, let's listen in to this week's message. You know, as you've heard, for the last about five months, we've known that we were going to go into a time of transition. And so this is our first week. We just completed week one of transition, and we made it through. And uh, you look good. And today's our first Sunday in transition. So this is our first Sunday back together in this transition period of time. But I want you to know that I am absolutely honored and privileged to be able to serve you during this transition time as acting pastor of Harvest Church. And so it's an honor and a privilege to be able to serve you. Man, you guys are so sweet. Thank you. I really appreciate that very much. And I will serve as acting pastor of Harvest Church until which time the Board of Deacons select a pastoral candidate to be voted on to become the next lead pastor. But to get us through this season, I will be serving as acting pastor, and it's an honor and a privilege. And sometimes transitions can have a negative connotation. But I want you to know that this transition is going to be a positive transition. This transition is going to help us get closer to our purpose. This transition is going to help us get closer to our destiny. This transition is going to help us do the things that God is calling Harvest Church to do. And on the other side of it, we're going to be better and better because God is going to help us get through this transition. The God that got us up to this transition is going to be the same God that takes us through the transition. And so God's going to be with us. And if God is with us, who could be against us? God is for us. And I want you to remember in this season of transition, God is going to continue to be faithful to Harvest Church all along the way. Come on, somebody say a loud amen. amen. Sometimes when we think about transition, we can think about just waiting. We can think about just doing nothing. We can think about just resting. But it's actually in times of transition when we're able to take new territory and to take new ground. Now, my son, when he was Jordan's right over here, and when my son was 15, transitioning over to 16, he made it known to my wife and I that he wanted to get his driver's license right on his 16th birthday. And that was a real big thing. He said, I want to get my, my driver's license on my 16th birthday. It's important to me. So, of course, we went online, made the appointment and all that. So on the day that he turned 16, so he transitioned from 15 over to 16. I took him over to the DMV. We took him in. He got into the car with the guy, and, um, you know, he did his whole driver's test, the behind-the-wheel driver's test. And when he came back, I was just waiting to see, okay, is he smiling? Is he not smiling? I couldn't tell at first if he got his driver's license or not on that actual day. But I'm happy to report to you that when he got out of the car, he smiled, and he showed me the driver's license. He was so excited that he got the driver's license. And it was because of that transition in from 15 to 16 that allowed him to get his driver's license, which allowed him to go out onto the road to drive onto new territory and new ground that he had never driven on before. And Harvest Church, I want you to know that it's because of this transition that we find ourselves in that as a church, we're going to get out onto the highway of, of, of life and we're going to take new territory. We're going to take new ground. We're going to cancel the, the debts of the enemy. We're going to cancel the enemy's plan. We're going to see people come to Jesus. We're going to see people get in infected by with the love of Jesus like we never had before we're going to have greater influence in our community because of the purposes of Jesus Christ in our life come on how many of you believe that this morning 
But this isn't just going to happen automatically, Harvest Church. Whether we're going through transition in our own personal lives or whether going through transition as a church, I want you to know that there's something that we must do to partner with the Holy Spirit to help us to take more territory and to take more ground into this next season of transition. Come on, say season of transition. There's, we're going to have to partner with that. And so today I've titled the message, Appetite. Pastor Gary, what, what, what is appetite? What does food have anything to do with taking new ground in this next season of transition? What does it have anything to do with anything, Pastor? That's a weird title for a, a message. And don't, don't worry, everyone. Stick with me. I'm going to explain what that means for us as a church congregation today. But let's pray. And that's the presence of the Holy Spirit to be with us today. God, we love you. We thank you so much for the fact that you are with us and that you are for us. God, nobody can stand against the, the plans and purposes that you have for our personal lives and for the life of Harvest Church. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts about this transition and about how we are supposed to partner with you. Would you convict us? Holy Spirit, would you send the pneuma of God, the breath blast of God to speak to our souls today? Anoint your servant. Anoint the, the, the people that are hearing this message. Speak to our hearts today in Jesus' name. And everyone said aloud, Amen. Amen. I have been to Israel four different times. And in fact, many, have, if you've been to Israel before, would you raise your hand? Let me see. Yep. Yep. Oh, man, there's several of you guys. I'm, all right, man. A lot of you guys have been to Israel before. I love it. When you go to Israel, and I hope, by the way, that all of you at some point be, are able to go to Israel. It's an amazing place to go and visit. Every place I've ever gone, I mean, every single time I've ever gone, I've seen new places and new locations, things that just are, are, are amazing things to see. And on every single one of our trips, I have seen battlefields. I've seen battlefields on every one of the trips. The last trip, I believe it was the last trip we went on, I saw the, the battlefield where David defeated Goliath. It's called the, the um, Elah Valley is, is right there. And so we went out there, and something that is so common by, by all of these uh, battlefields is that they all have a valley in the middle. And then on both sides, there's a mountaintop. And the mountaintops are there because the kings are supposed, are supposed to take stand on those mountaintops so that they have a good perspective on what's taking place on the battlefield. And so the battlefield is important. It's, it's important to have a good perspective on what's happening because then the king can deploy whatever strategic battle strategies they want to deploy based on whatever's happening that the enemy's doing. And so... Exodus chapter 17 and verse 15 and 16 says, Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. Would you say that out loud with me? The Lord is my banner. And he said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites for, from generations to generation. Now, the context of this verse is that at times of war, the Lord is going to be our banner. And in the Old Testament, whenever the, the nation of Israel would go into battle, you would think that the troops, the, the warriors, the ones with spears and javelins, you would think that they were the ones that would go out and to lead the charge. 
But what actually what would happen is that the nation of Israel would send out the worshipers in front of everybody. So it would be the worshipers that were praying. It would be the worshipers that were singing. It would be the, the worshipers that were lifting hands. It would be the worshipers that were leading out the entire army of Israel. Now these worshipers would always have these sticks or poles. And at the very top of the pole would be this flag. And when you combine the pole with the flag, it was called a banner. Okay, so if the king who's sitting on the top of the, of the mountain would look down and have a great perspective on the battlefield, if he wanted to get a message to the troops, he would relay the message by doing some kind of a, a wave of some sort and some type of wave letting them know, I want you to do this. And the warriors would grab the appropriate banners and they would begin to wave the banner that would send the signal to the troops. And so if the king who has a good vantage point wanted to send some arrows and have the archers send arrows to the enemy, then the king would summon the worshipers. The worshipers would be so in tune with the king that then he would grab the appropriate banner and they would begin to wave it and it would let the troops know, oh, okay, send the arrows that way. Now, if he wanted to send a, 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 the people on the horse that have the, the swords, then he would let the worshipers know and then they would grab the different banner and the appropriate banner, they'd begin to wave it and it would let all the troops know, okay, now send the horsemen and what would begin to happen is that they would overtake the enemy and they would take new ground and they would take new territory for two different reasons number one because the king had a great perspective a vantage point of what was taking place on the battlefield and number two because the worshipers were so in tune with what the king wanted to do that they were able to relay the message of it and know exactly where God was wanting to go and Harvest Church the way we're going to make it through this time of transition and the way that we're going to be to make it to new ground is to know that God sits high on a mountain with a great perspective and he's looking into the battlefield that we're in and we're number two because we're going to become like the warriors and like and like the worshipers that are so in tune with the presence of the Holy Spirit we're going to know exactly what God is asking us to do you know why because God is our banner come on somebody shout aloud amen <laughs> worship is the key of getting through transition on the other side. As I get older and older, and, and by the way, I'm only 44 years old, but as I get older and older, one of the things that I have just grown to love more and more is food. I love food. I don't know what it is, but I think there's an anointing on leadership here at the church that just love food. And, um, and so I love all different types of food. And I remember as a child when I would be playing outside, my mom would at times come up to the door and say, hey, mijo, which means son. She would say, mijo, come inside. It's time to eat dinner. And, and I would, oh, mom, I don't want to go inside. I want to stay out here and have fun. And I want to have, stay out here to, to play with my friends. And as I get older and older, the eating is the fun. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like when you go on vacation, yes, it's fun to go on vacation. But man, some of the funnest parts are where you're going to eat, what you're going to eat, the desserts. At, oh, man. Okay, so this, I just, this is a break in my sermon just for a minute. So my wife and I went on vacation about three weeks ago. We said, hey, before this transition, I don't know when I'll be able to take a Sunday off, so let's go to Monterey. So we went to Monterey. We found that spot. What's that spot, babe? That, do you remember the place? No, you don't remember the place. Okay, now people are going to be mad at me because I'm going to tell them about this dessert, and now we don't remember the place. But we, we went to this place for $9. $9. $9. We got this huge piece of cake. It was like this tall, no joke. It was German chocolate, right? German chocolate cake. 
It was like that tall, about that wide, about that. I mean, it was massive. It would have fed a, a complete family. But guess what, y'all? We didn't take our family. It was just Christina and I, and we ate that puppy. It was so good. So good. Now, I just want to hear from you what your favorite foods are. So I'm going to say a couple of different types or styles of food. And when I say your favorite, I want you to shout, give a, an applause, a praise, raise your hand, whatever you got to do to let me know what your favorite food is, okay? How many of you, your favorite food is steak and potatoes? How many of you love steak and potatoes? <clears throat> oh, my God. Sit back down. That's my daughter right there. Steak and potatoes. She does like steak and potatoes. Yeah. Come here and tell everyone how you like it. How do you like it prepared? Oh, oh. We do not have this prepared, by the way, so I have no clue what she's going to say. But Extra bloody, okay? Very bloody in the middle. And the potatoes need to, need to be squishy. They're so good, okay? Lisa makes the best one. <laughs> it's got to be extra pink on the inside. I taught my daughter good, man. I taught my children well. Don't burn your steaks, y'all. Listen, if you buy a $50 steak, don't burn that thing by making it well done. You take all the flavor out and all the juices out. It's got to be soft. It's got to melt in your mouth. Come on. How many of you love steak? All right. How many of you guys like fast food? Fast food people. Fast food people. Um, just a couple. Okay, just a couple. <laughs> Ross. Ross is like, I like fast food. You don't look like it, man, because you are super fit, bro. You look like, man... He looks like he came out of a GQ magazine over there. How many of you love uh, Chinese food? How many, where are my Chinese food people at? Okay, that's a little bit. How many of you love sushi? Where are my sushi people? Yeah. Okay, now I'm screaming with y'all on that one. Sushi is my favorite type of food. I love sushi. How many of you love Italian food? Italian food. That used to be my favorite food. I see Hermione over here. Is that Hermione? No, that's not Hermione. Uh, that used to be my favorite type of food. And Hermione used to say, hey, a second on the lips, forever on the hips. So I've learned to not eat as much Italian food. Okay. All right. How many of you, your favorite type of food is Mexican food? Where are my Mexican food people at? Yeah. All right. All right. The other day, there was a couple that took us out to dinner and we ate at that Mexican food restaurant where Logan's used to be. Um, that place, I'm just telling you guys, what's it called? Cicadas? So cicadas is absolutely amazing, okay? They didn't pay me to give this plug, but it is possibly the best Mexican food in all of Oak Grove. I'm just saying, like, I'm making you guys hungry now, aren't I? Uh, my apologies. My, that was not my intent. All right, now, how many of you, your favorite food is soul food? Where's my soul food? Baby? <laughs> She's like, praise Jesus, that's my favorite food. Um, Yes, it is a spiritual experience when you get very good soul food. I was so saddened to learn that Sandra D's closed down. Like, that, that place was the best place. And then someone came up to me after first service and handed me this. They said, fixings in Old Park is still there, and they have really good soul food. So, so I might have to go check them out today after service. I don't know. We might have to go check them out. Now, if I didn't say your favorite type of food, on the count of three, just do me a favor. I don't want to leave you out. So on the count of three, yell at me, holler back at your boy, let me know what your favorite style of food is. Ready? On the count of three. If I didn't say it, yell it out. One, two, three. Yes, what you said. All right. Very good. Very good. 
That just shows all of us that every single one of us have a favorite style of food. We all love food. Now, someone turn to your neighbor and say, hey, I don't have lunch plans afterwards, so if you want to take me out to lunch, I'm good. I mean, I'm, I'll clear my calendar for you. Just, 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 just take me out to lunch. Just take me out to lunch. Well, the Bible has a lot to say about food, and the Old Testament talks about how food that was sacrificed to the Lord was actually one of the greatest ways that they worshiped the Lord. So they worshiped the Lord with these sacrifices, and it was one of their greatest ways of worshiping. Now, uh, very quickly, I want to give you five different types of Old Testament sacrifices to be able to lay down the groundwork for our sermon today. Now, I'm more of what I would call a preacher. I'm, I'm a preacher by nature. Typically, I'm not a teacher by nature, okay? And what I mean by that is I usually don't, like, just sit on a stool and just give you all these different facts and all these other things. But, but for just about the next five to seven minutes, I want to lay down the groundwork and the foundation for the preaching that you're going to hear this morning. So I just want to go into a time of teaching. I want to just teach you a little bit. That's going to really help you know what to do in times of transition, okay? So number one is the burnt offering. Nobody fall asleep on me now during this time of teaching. Okay, this is very, very important. Leviticus chapter 1, verse 3. If the offering is a burnt offering from the herd, you are to offer a male without defect. You must present it at the entrance of the tent of meeting so that it will be acceptable to the Lord. And the purpose of the burnt offering was for general atonement or for the forgiveness of sin. That's very important, for the forgiveness of sin. It was also an expression of devotion to the Lord. And there were different types of animals that you could sacrifice for the burnt offering. There were animals like bulls and sheep, goats, doves, different types of animals. But all of these animals had to be cooked whole and slow cooked overnight. So here's the altar of the Lord. This is an altar. And you've got flames. Go ahead and zoom in over here so that people online can see too. All right. See, there, there's some fire going on right there. All right. Some fire. All right. There's some fire. So in the Old Testament, they would have to slow cook the burnt offering and cook it overnight. And so some of you might have thought that Weber was the inventor of the smoker or the slow cooker, but actually the Lord was the inventor of the slow cooker because he instilled something that would make the meat taste so good and, and would make it soft and he would leave the bloody, a little bit bloody on the inside. He didn't make that sucker over. My, my daughter's like, amen. All right. Amen. <laughs> All right. The second one this morning is the grain offering. Leviticus chapter two, verse one, it says, when anyone brings a grain offering to the Lord, their offering is to be of the finest flour. They are to pour olive oil on it, put incense on it, and take it to Aaron's sons, the priests. The priest shall take a handful of flour and oil, putting all put, uh, together with all of the incense, and burn it as a memorial portion on the altar, a food offering in aroma pleasing to the Lord. And the purpose of the burnt offering was... Uh, was a, a voluntary expression or devotion to the Lord. It was recognized, it was recognizing God's goodness and providence in a person's life. The grain offering would usually consist of a type of bread that would, that the people would present to the Lord. And, and sometimes they would bake the, the burnt offering and, and they would bake it like pan dulce. And how many of you like pan dulce? Everybody, hey, pan dulce. 
Pan dulce. Sometimes they would fry it like donuts. How many of you got like donuts? I love donuts. And, and my favorite type of donuts, the kind with custard inside, like a maple with the... Uh, with, a, with a bacon on top. How many of you know bacon tastes good on anything? I mean, bacon, bacon. And I, I like the custard on the inside. It's so good. And then sometimes what they would do is they would make cereal out of the burnt offering. And so they would make things like frosted flakes. And there is nothing like a good cold bowl of frosted flakes right before you go to bed. There's times where I'll grab a bowl. I'll put some frosted flakes inside that bowl. I'll put cold milk on it. And I have a contest with the Frosted Flakes. I actually have this thought in my mind. I'm like, I'm going to eat you before you get soggy and before all of the milk takes off all the sugar on both sides of the, of, of the Frosted Flakes. I don't just want milk that's sugary. I want good, crunchy Frosted Flakes. How many of you with me on that? Frosted Flakes. Only a portion of the grain offering was to be burnt, and the rest of it would be given to the priests for them to eat. Number three. It's called the fellowship offering, which is also referred to as the peace offering. Leviticus chapter 7 says this, starting at verse 11. says, these are the regulations of the fellowship offering anyone may, when, uh, offering anyone may present to the Lord. If they, offer an, if they offer it as an expression of thanksgiving, then along with the thanks offering, then with the thank offering, they are to offer thick loaves made without yeast and with olive oil mixed in, thin loaves without yeast and brushed with oil, and thick loaves of the finest flour, well kneaded and with oil mixed in. And then three verses down on verse 15, it says, the meat of the fellowship offering of thanksgiving must be eaten on the day it is offered. They must they, they must leave none for the next morning. Now, the purpose of the fellowship offering was to consecrate a meal between two different people in the presence of God. This offering could be different types of animals. It could be male or female, but it could not have any defect, and it could not be left for the next day. Now, listen, everyone. I know this is a lot of information, and I'm going somewhere with this this morning, okay? So just stick with me. I'm laying some groundwork because our rest of the teaching won't make sense without the groundwork, all right? Verse, uh, the fourth, the fourth, number four. The fourth is the sin offering. Leviticus chapter four, starting at verse two, says, Say to the Israelites, when, it, when anyone sins unintentionally and does what is forbidden any of the Lord's commands... If the anointed priest sins, bringing guilt upon the people, he must bring to the Lord a young bull without defect as a sin offering for the sin that he has committed. And the purpose of the sin offering was for the atonement of the unintentional sin. And so whenever the, the priest would sin, he would bring in a bull. He would make a sacrifice so that then he could be in right standing with the Lord again so that he could offer more sacrifices for the sins of other people. Okay, number five, and this is the last one. The fifth one is the guilt offering. Leviticus chapter five and verse 15 says, when anyone is unfaithful to the Lord by sinning unintentionally in regards to any of the Lord's holy things, they are to bring to the Lord as a penalty, everybody say penalty, as a penalty, a ram from the flock, one without defect and of the proper value of silver according to the sanctuary shekel it is a guilt offering and when we think of the word guilt 
Usually we attach an emotion to it. Usually we think it's, it's some kind of a, a, a feeling type of a word. Like, like, I feel really guilty for eating all the Frosted Flakes, Dad. I know how much you like Frosted Flakes. You know, it's like, that, like that type of a guilty. Usually when you think of guilt, that's the type of guilt that you think of. But the type of guilt that is spoken of in this passage of Scripture is that of a penalty. So when someone is, 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 is in a courtroom and they get judged for something and are found guilty, then they must pay a penalty. It's not a feeling word. They can feel like they, like they, wanna, like they don't want to pay the $10,000 of restitution, but they're going to have to pay the penalty no matter what. It's usually a restitution or it's usually a payment because of a sin. And here's where I'm going with all of this. In the Old Testament, whenever somebody would sin, they would always have to make restitution. They would make a sacrifice so that they could be forgiven of all of their sins again. They would have to present a bull, a cattle, a sheep, or bread so that they could be forgiven of all of their sins. It was, it was one of the ways that they gained peace with God and with others. It was the major way that they would worship God was by these offerings. But God knew in the Old Testament that this would not be sufficient for all of humanity once and for all. So God said, I'm going to put a stop to all this. I'm going to send my son Jesus Christ as the living lamb. And instead of us having to make sacrifices, he's going to be the last sacrifice. He'll be the last offering once and for all. And here's what Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 12 says about this. It puts it like this. But our high priest, and this is talking about Jesus because no longer do we have to go to any priest to make offerings on our behalf. But it says because of our high priest, it says our high priest, Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And when Jesus came to earth, was crucified, and was resurrected, how many of you know that Jesus changed everything? And aren't you glad that Jesus came to change everything? And so every time we sin, we don't have to go and try to find a bull or a ram or a goat and to offer it on some kind of a sacrifice or some kind of altar. We don't have to do that whatsoever because Jesus came to pay the ultimate price. He became the sin offering. He became the final sacrifice. He was the one that paid the price so that you and I would not have to be sacrificed on the altar. But God made a way for you and for me. And aren't you glad for forgiveness this morning? All we need to do is to repent and accept the free gift of salvation and our sins will be forgiven and we will be in right standing with the Lord. And after we've given our life to Jesus, God no longer wants us to sacrifice bulls or lambs or, 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 or cattle or anything like that. God says, I want you and me to become the living sacrifice. So here's how Romans chapter 12 verse 1 puts it. And this is where we're going to spend a majority of our time this morning is unpacking this one scripture. All of our points are going to come out of this one scripture. It says in verse 1, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. In other words, God didn't give us what we deserved, which was death, but God gave us mercy. And in light of the mercy that he gives us, that we should offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Harvest Church, God is saying that no longer does he want animals to be sacrificed, but he wants you and me to be the living sacrifice. Pastor Gary, are you saying that we ought to build altars in our homes and 
put firewood in it and add some fuel to it, light a match and like lay down inside a pit, a fire? Is that what you're really saying? No, I'm not saying that at all. That's not what this verse says. I'm going to unpack for you what that verse is actually talking about because it is so vitally important to understand what this verse is talking about if we want to make it through our season of transition on the other side, taking new ground and taking new territory. No matter if we find ourselves in transition in our own personal lives or if we find ourselves in transition as a church, it's important that we understand what this means for our lives today. So how can we offer our lives, our bodies as a sacrifice number one i'm going to give you four ways that we can do this number one god wants us to be a living sacrifice romans chapter 12 verse 1 therefore i urge you brothers and sisters in view of god's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice somebody shout living sacrifice sacrifice. and here's what this verse is saying it's saying that we need to place our entire life on the altar of the Lord, that we need to surrender every single part of ourselves over to God while we're still living because God doesn't want a dead sacrifice. God wants a living sacrifice. God doesn't want just part of my life. God wants all of my life. We want to give God all different types of things that are going on in our life, but sometimes we don't give God everything that's going in our life. We want to give God our jobs, but we don't want to give God our finances. We want to give God our families, but we don't want to give God our marriages. We want to give God our marriages, but we don't want to give God our children. We want to give God our homes, but we want to give God our habits. And God is saying, I don't just want part of you. I need all of you. I need all of you to be a living sacrifice, not just part of you. And that's why I love baptism services so much. Uh, Two months ago during First Wednesdays, we had a baptism service with our First Wednesdays. And there were over 400 people that were here for that night of worship and prayer. If you have never been to First Wednesdays, I'm telling you, it will change your life. First Wednesdays is absolutely vital and critical that you come to to make it through this season of transition, knowing exactly what God's will is. It's the time where we get together, we worship, we pray, we fast, we seek God for what the future is of Harvest Church, or just seek God for different things that are going on in our own life. And I love how we did baptisms during our first Wednesdays two months ago because as we were worshiping and as we were lifting up the name of Jesus, there were baptisms that were taking place right here. So as we're worshiping and singing about the goodness of God, we were able to see people up here that were being baptized and they would go all the way underneath the water because we believe in full immersion. When we do baptisms, we don't just bring people underneath the water with a leg hanging out of the tank. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We don't do that. We don't do baptisms and put them underneath the water with an arm hanging out and and where they don't get fully immersed in baptisms. We don't do baptisms with someone's hair hanging out and not get completely sanctified. And by the way, I know some of you wish that your hair didn't have to go underneath the water because of how long it takes you to style your hair and and how you you don't want to have to fix it and you don't have to blow dry it. I'm with you. I I can have empathy with you because I used to be a hairstylist. I know how long it takes to style hair. It takes about 25 or so minutes to actually do the cutting of the hair, but it takes about 35 to 40 minutes to actually do the styling of the hair. So I'm with you. I I understand for some of you guys, when you used to have hair, you knew what it was like to have to style your hair. And remember when the spiky look was in? I used to flat iron my hair. I used to have a flat, I used to use my wife's flat iron, confessions of a pastor. Okay, move on, Pastor Gary. Move on, move on, move on. 
So we would baptize people and completely immerse them, have them go all the way underneath the water. And God wants our bodies to go all the way underneath the water because God wants all of us. He wants all of our future to go underneath the water. God wants all of our marriages to go underneath the water. He wants all of our habits to go underneath the water. He wants all of our finances to go underneath the water. He wants all of our relationships to go underneath the waters. He even wants your 401k to go underneath the water. He wants all of you because he wants a living sacrifice. Come on, somebody shout amen. amen. Number two is this. God wants us to be a holy sacrifice. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy. Somebody shout holy. 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 This word holy means to be set apart. And we are supposed to be set apart from this world so that we could look more and more like Jesus Christ. And when I was a child, uh, we used to have this living room in my home growing up that as soon as you would walk into the, to the entry doorway, on the left-hand side, there was a living room. And even as a young child, I knew that I was not allowed to go in the living room. I could go into any other room in my house, but the living room, that was set apart. I couldn't go into that living room. And if you were to look into the living room, there was these nice couches that were in there. And I knew that I was not allowed to sit on those couches. My parents told me that those couches are for people that are very important people that would come over and they were allowed to sit in those couches. But the problem was that even when those very important people came over, they knew that they weren't supposed to sit on those couches because they were scared to sit on those couches. Those, those couches were set apart. You guys remember those couches in your living room? If you're like over 40, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you used to have plastic on those couches. Some of y'all used to put the that plastic on there just to make sure that you didn't get any grease or, hair, or your hair, you know, pomade or mousse or gel on that couch. Your parents would protect that couch. Because that couch was set apart, man. You were not supposed to get in that couch. Now, I have a confession here to make. I have a confession. My mom was in the first service, and so I let her know. I said, Mom, I've got a confession. But spankings are not retroactive. My mom did not spare the rod, if you know what I mean. And so my mom was spank me and all of that. And so I told my mom, I said, Mom you got to stay seated there. She sits like right over here where Shirley and Danny, where you guys are sitting, she just sits in that row. And I said, Mom, if I see your belt start to come off, I'm leaving. And someone else is going to have to finish up this sermon. I, I just, I'm not going to be able to do it, okay? But, but you would walk into the house. And there were times where after school I would walk in, I'd open up the door, and I'd come in, and I'd look. And there was this one time that I looked, and, and I was like, Mom, Dad, anyone home? Nobody was home. And so I looked into the living room, and I thought, I'm going to stand inside that living room, man. What's going to happen? I, I, I crossed the threshold of that living room. I was waiting for ninjas to come out. You know what I mean? Like, I was scared. I was, like, scared for my life. So I walk in, and nothing happened. So then I walk over to the couch, this set-apart couch. And I walked over there, and I, I, I went over to the couch. I sat in the couch. I rested on the couch, I put my feet up on the armrest of the couch. I started to relax and to rest on that couch. 
and I learned why that couch was set apart. I mean, it was comfortable. It was set apart. And Harvest Church, I want you to know that the Lord wants our lives to be set apart in the same way. God wants to rest on your life because he wants the holy presence of the Spirit of God to come into your life to take new territory and to take new ground, to cancel the enemy's plan in your life and to cancel the enemy's plan for whatever it is that's happening. And that's how we're supposed to live our lives is to live set apart from the world because if we look like the world if we act like the world if we speak like the world we're not going to be able to influence the world because you can't influence something you look exactly like some of you talk like the world and this isn't in my notes today but cut that out seriously cut that out don't talk like the world some of you speak with bad language I've heard it Stop that. Don't do that. My family knows I don't even like saying the S word, the S T, the, the, you know, the S T I, no, S T U P I D. I don't even like saying it. Like, I don't even say that when my kids know. Like, if they have friends that come around and they say that word, I look and they look at me. They're like, oh, hey, hey, don't say that word. My dad doesn't like that. Like, I don't even like those words. I know that's not even a cuss word. I don't even like, I don't even like saying you're dumb or I don't even I like those. Like, I, like, I just don't even like that. Listen. Change your language to reflect that of Jesus Christ. Don't talk like the world. Don't act like the world. Don't walk like the world. God wants you to be a beacon of light. God wants you to change the scenario that you're at. God wants you to change people at work. God doesn't want you to be a part of the world so you can look like the world. God wants you to be set apart. God wants you to influence the world, not just to become like the world. And so many people make that type of mistake and not being set apart from the Lord, but God wants us to be set apart. Come on, someone say amen. Amen. Number three is this. God wants us to be a pleasing to God sacrifice. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Come on, shout with me. Pleasing to God. Say it again. Pleasing to God. A surrendered, set-apart life is focused on pleasing God. And I want you to ask yourself a question this morning. And I want you to be honest with yourself. Are you living your life to please yourself or to please God? Because if you're living your life to please God, it will never work out. Only when we surrender our lives to Christ will we be focused on pleasing the Lord. And that's exactly what God wants for us today. Most of us are Christ followers in the room today. Most of us. You've given your life to Jesus Christ. You've surrendered your life to the Lord. But if you were... To be honest with yourself, if you've been a Christ follower for any length of time, you realize that there are seasons in your life where you have seasons where you want to please yourself instead of pleasing the Lord. And I want to encourage you to not just please yourself, but to please the Lord. Because every time we want to please ourselves, it's never going to work out. And some of us have already experienced this by getting in wrong relationships. Some of us have already experienced this by getting into debt and buying the home that was way over our head or by buying the car that was way over our head. Some of us have experienced this by making bad decisions and now we're living out the consequences of those bad decisions. Listen, if you please yourself instead of pleasing God, it will never work out. But God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. He wants, to, he wants you to be pleasing to him. He wants your life to be a pleasing to God sacrifice. Come on, someone say amen. amen. 
Number four, number four is this, and this is our final point today. I want to invite the worship team to join me. God wants our true and proper worship. Our true and proper worship. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. For this is your true and perfect worship. Somebody say that out loud with me. Ready? True and perfect worship. When people think of the word worship, usually what people think of is they think of a worship service just like this. They think of a celebration service where we come together and we sing songs and we lift our hands and and we declare victory over our circumstances and where we come in and we surrender to the Lord and, and praise Him with our lips and with raised hands. And if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know that there are different type of worship moves. Like, for instance, the music, the worship will begin, and it's touching my heart so much. And by the way, I'm guilty of doing all of these different worship moves. You'll, you'll look over at me at times, and you'll, you might see me, if the worship is touching me, you might see me doing, doing this. I might rock back and forth, and I call that the rocking move. Sometimes the music begins to get more excited. And we get excited. You'll see me, man. I'll start jumping because I'm getting excited. In fact, on first Wednesdays, you'll see our worship from our youth. They'll be up here standing, and they'll be up here, and they'll be jumping for the Lord. Worship. Hey, do me a favor. We didn't rehearse this, but let me see you guys, the youth. Let me see you guys get up here, and let's start jumping right here. I want you to show our church congregation what it looks like to jump in a present. Come on. It's like it's our first Wednesday. We start jumping together. We start declaring it together. times where the music where the worship starts to slow down again and then where i feel man i feel the presence of the lord and there's times where i begin to wave and i call that the wave move i'm just waving in the presence of the lord and then there's other times where i'm feeling the worship and i do this thing that that's that's referred to i've heard someone refer to i think it was a comedian or someone i've heard someone refer to it as the my fish is this big And here's what that means. I'm feeling the worship music so much that my fish is this big. And then the worship music begins to pick up just a little bit. And I feel it a little bit more. And that fish begins to grow. And now my fish is this big. And then there's times where I start declaring, I start doing this worship move that I call touchdown. And I believe that the touchdown is the Lord's favorite way of worship. That's just my opinion. It, I'm not, it's not true, but but I believe, I, I like doing this one. It's called touchdown, where, where I'm declaring touchdown. Where I'm completely surrendered to the Lord, and I'm just like, man, I'm giving it all to the Lord. But listen, all of these different worship moves are absolutely important. It's important that we come together, that we sing together, that we worship together, that we lift our hands together, that we jump together, that we wave together, that we do all of these different ways of expressing our worship to the Lord. But can I tell you something? Can I show you something? In Romans chapter 12, all of these different awesome, great things are not what this scripture is talking about. Can I give you a little clue on what this is talking about in Romans chapter 12? Because here's what it's talking about. It says, 
true worship is when we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. Not just to raise our hands on Sunday, but to live for the Lord on Monday. Not just to give a shout of praise on Sunday, but to also sacrifice our whole bodies to the Lord on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, and Saturday, to have a completely devoted life set for the plans and purposes of the Lord. It's when we put our whole life on the altar of the Lord and we say, God, I want to surrender my entire life to you. Listen, here's a question we have to ask ourselves. Would you just stand with me if you're able? If you're able to stand with me, would you just stand all across the auditorium? Here's a question we have to ask ourselves. Is there, are there areas in our life I've surrendered, I've asked Jesus Christ to come into my life. I've surrendered most of my life but are there areas in your life that you have not completely surrendered over to the Lord? Because Harvest Church, and when I say Harvest Church, I'm not just building, I'm not just talking to a building. I'm talking to every single one of us, including youth, including any children, including any adults that are, including the worship team, including me. I'm talking to every single one of us. If there are any areas in, in our life that are not completely surrendered to the Lord. We will thwart the plans of God in this season of transition. So it's vitally important that as we head into the season of transition, that we allow our entire selves to be submitted and surrendered to the presence of the Lord. Because the king is speaking. The king has a good vantage point. The king wants to send certain things that he wants you to do. And if we are not in tune with the spirit, we're going to miss it. But I know Harvest Church is a type of church that worships. I know that Harvest Church is a type of church that is in tune with the, what the Spirit of God is doing and will listen to the King so that we know exactly what to do next in our personal lives and in the, in the life of the church. So listen, if there's areas in your life that you have not completely surrendered over to the Lord, I want you to do me a favor. And in this time of worship, I want you to begin to declare it over your life. I want you, worship team, just begin to sing. I want you to be able to declare it over your life. I want you to speak to that situation. I want you to speak life into that situation. Listen, for some of you, you've been asking the Lord to free you of those things. You've been asking the Lord to heal your, your soul, to heal your heart. Some of you were abused. Some of you were, were, something's happened to you that should have never happened to you. And I want you to know that God wants to begin to break those things off of your life today. God wants you to have freedom in every single area of your life. God wants to handle those things. Listen, he doesn't just want the easy parts. There's easy parts that we can surrender to the Lord. God doesn't just want those parts. God wants every single part of your life. And so as we begin to sing this, I want you to declare it over your life because God's going to be with you. And if he's with you, who could be against you? Come on, worship team. Let's sing this out. God, we believe this over our life. God, we know there's nothing impossible for you. God, take all of our life. Take every single area of our life. Let us be a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing. Thank you for joining us once again for this week's sermon podcast. We pray God's blessing on you as you face your day and week ahead. For more videos, messages, and other content, make sure you follow, like, and subscribe to all of our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at GoHarvestEG. And be sure to check out our website at GoHarvest.org for the latest information on events and services. Until next time, stay encouraged and don't miss the opportunity to be a blessing to the world around you. God bless.